Welcome to our Birth Stories podcast brought to you by Informed Pregnancy Birth and Beyond. IPBB is a small pregnancy, birth and parenting peer support community organisation based in South East Hampshire. We run groups each month which bring people together and give them the opportunity to talk to other people who've been through the same life stage as they're approaching. In our experience of facilitating groups, nothing has quite the impact of hearing stories of pregnancy, birth and parenting from people who have been there before. In a culture where many people's frame of reference for what birth is like comes from scary news stories and dramatic soap opera births, listening to real stories of undramatic everyday births can significantly increase your confidence for your own birth. So as with our groups, this podcast is our contribution to the gentle revolution of telling the everyday birth stories. These are stories of people like you, and they're told unedited. Sometimes we'll add information that may help you understand the particular circumstances or challenges for the family concerned but always we let them tell their own story and how it felt for them. Please be aware if you've previously had a traumatic birth experience, there may be topics covered which you could find triggering. We've done our best to note anything that will be covered to help you make the decision as to whether each episode is okay for you, but please always take care of yourself. Welcome to episode 10 of our Birth Stories podcast. In this final episode of the series, we talk to Sarah about the home water birth of her second baby. Topics covered in this episode include emotions around going from one child to two, going into labour gradually, having an older child around during labour, oxytocin, hypnobirthing, partner-supported grounding techniques, water birth, pelvic floors and tearing, having stitches at home, Positive Sibling Introductions. So hi Sarah, thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast today. Can you just introduce yourself a little bit for us? Hi, yeah, I'm Sarah. I'm a mum of two boys, so I've got a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old and a crazy cat called Graham. And today we're going to be talking about your pregnancy and birth with your second baby. That's right, yes. So can you tell us, to start with, a bit about when you found out you were pregnant, how your pregnancy went? Yeah. Was it all so, smooth sailing? Yeah, I was reasonably lucky. I mean, with both my pregnancies, I joked with both of them that I didn't really know that I was pregnant at all, that I didn't really have any early symptoms. Both times I went for my first scan and thought they'd tell me it was wind because I was convinced there was nothing there. But yeah, so I found out probably September 2010 that I was pregnant for a second time we had been trying so it was planned and my youngest was just coming or my eldest at the time was just coming up for two yeah it was a kind of reasonably straightforward pregnancy um, kind of held off telling people for as long as we could and then obviously had to kind of introduce the concept of this new baby arriving to my son who had just turned two it was nearly Christmas and was convinced we were giving birth to baby Jesus um, because that was the only concept of babies <laughs> that he had at that moment. They were doing, they were doing, uh, yeah, they were doing the nativity at uh, preschool. So baby Jesus was going to be born. Yeah, <laughs> all went smoothly. We had no complications in the pregnancy, and we did hypnobirthing second time round. We did traditional antenatal classes first time, and second time round, I just felt I wanted to be that little bit more in control have a bit more knowledge about everything I guess first time around you just kind of go oh I'll I'll go with the flow and second time I was very much about "Mm, well actually there are things that I can change there are things that I can do let's be a little bit more proactive about this 
which also meant that towards my due date I was absolutely adamant I didn't want to be induced if I didn't need to be and fortunately my midwife was very supportive of that there were no medical reasons suggesting that induction would be required I knew and had read about expectant management so I knew that I could get to 42 weeks and then go further if I needed to so there was no pressure on that point she was just kind of like well let's play it by ear and see how we go when we get to that it kind of I got to my 40 weeks and there were no signs of anything happening had you given birth around 40 weeks with your first baby yes my first one was a day before his expected due date so, so I had by no... the time you got over 40 weeks you were the most pregnant you'd ever been I was absolutely <laughs> although quite happy to be pregnant still everybody was sort of saying oh you you fed up now yeah. um it was kind yeah. of end of May and I was like no I'm not ready to have two children so <laughs> no this baby can stay put for as long as it likes still just enjoying time with the first I was baby. yes it was that realization that whoa this is actually happening I'm gonna have two children not just one <laughs> yeah yeah big adjustment to make isn't it definitely and there's that feeling I guess that when you've got one baby and you just love them so much and it suddenly strikes you that oh no how am I going to love somebody else as much absolutely I mean the feeling of guilt in that last week I think as to how his life was suddenly going to change and how this would impact him I felt really guilty about oh what have we done we're gonna rock his world now he's only ever known the three of us and now this extra little person's going to come along but it's true what they say that you have another baby and you just grow more love yes yeah. you're not sharing your love you just have love from another person as well so and that, they that um, fine. ended up being quite good friends yeah they have their moments but generally they get on quite well which is good so yeah so in that week i reached my 40 weeks friends of mine had bought me uh reflexology vouchers for my birthday um earlier the previous year so I had two sessions of reflexology as an attempt to get things moving, I guess. I wasn't convinced that it might work, but if nothing else, it was nice and relaxing. It couldn't do any harm. It couldn't do any harm, absolutely. I thought, well, if it does get things moving, then great. And if not, well, I'm just going to have a nice relaxing time without any children around, have my feet rubbed and... Hmm. Which was, it was really lovely. I did then agree to a sweep with my midwife. Mm -hmm. She chatted to me about pros and cons of it I thought well why not it was an alright experience I guess I mean it was 11 years ago <laughs> nobody's gonna go and have a sweep as kind of a fun afternoon activity but as things go it could have been far worse yeah. as well she made it clear to me that she could stop anytime if I needed her to which was really reassuring I can't exactly remember when it was but I didn't go into labour immediately no as a result of it. Then on the morning of 28th of May, it was a Saturday morning, I woke up about half past five, I think, and thought, hmm, are these twinges? What am I feeling? And with my first birth, the very first sign was that my waters went. So that was my only experience, was waters going, and then subsequently contractions starting. I was a bit like, oh, is it, isn't it? I'd had lots of Braxton Hicks the previous week, so wasn't really sure. And at the time, my two and a half year old was a really good sleeper and generally didn't wake up until seven o'clock, sometimes a little bit later. So, of course, on that day, he was wide awake at six o'clock. <laughs> of course. It sensed something was going on. Absolutely. There was excitement and he didn't want to miss out. We'd already arranged with my parents, who only lived ten minutes away, that they would 
come and have him for the day. He spent lots of time with them. They'd looked after him when I went back to work. He'd slept over with them, so I was comfortable with him going and he was more than happy to go off and play with granny and granddad. Called my mum and she came over to pick him up and kind of thought, okay, well, we'll wait and see. My first labour was just over 24 hours long, so I wasn't necessarily expecting things to happen quite quickly, but they seem, sort of my contractions seem to get reasonably regular through the morning so I was quietly confident that things might happen quite fast but then about probably about 10 11 ish in the morning things slowed down we'd walked into Cosham we'd got Costa just all the kind of the little things knowing how to try and keep things moving and yeah things slowed down so I thought okay well maybe this isn't today it's kind of it's obviously something's happening but it's not quite going to be a bit of a slow yeah yeah things have slowed down a bit so maybe it's not going to be right this minute so i said to my husband well you may as well go and get my son back Mm -hmm. because there's no point in being with his grandparents if he doesn't need to be yeah he can come home and play with us Hmm. so he went and picked him up just after lunch and probably within an hour of him being home those contractions had ramped right back up again and Knowing even more now than I did then, I'm absolutely convinced that it's that oxytocin boost that I got when he came back. Yeah. Either subconsciously, I was a bit worried about him, even though I knew he would be absolutely fine, and he was. Just that whole him not being at home and only being two and a half. Yeah. So whether that was a kind of, I needed that reassurance that he was okay for my body to be able to then go okay this is fine let's carry on with this or whether it was just him coming back and playing on the floor with him and giving him lots of cuddles was that oxytocin boost that I needed yeah we played some Duplo and those contractions started again I left it a little while because I thought well I don't want to then go to the inconvenience of getting him back to my parents and then everything slowed yeah, down again so I thought we'll leave it a little bit again. but actually it was really obvious that this was things were happening again yeah. So my mum and dad came back over, picked him up again, took him home for tea. At this point, my in-laws also came down because at the time they were living in Norfolk. So we oh, sent wow. them a message. They were going to come down and stay with my parents so that they could be around in those early days as well. So we called them and they were on their way down. And we kind of potted for a bit. We called the midwives to let them know that things were happening. And they sent... I always laugh and say an advanced party came out (laughs) so one midwife came out first to just double check that I was in labour right so she came out I agreed to an internal examination where she agreed that yes I was in labour which was nice to know yes (laughs) so you weren't imagining I wasn't imagining things no nicely in labour so she went away and then the two midwives who were on duty at the time then came out the birth pool was set up in our dining room we set about filling that up so that we mm-hmm. could use that because I was really quite keen on using that for yeah. pain relief and yes. and for birth. I'd heard from other people how wonderful it was. That kind of kept my husband busy. Yes, practical task. Absolutely. I pretty much just put on my hypnobirthing tracks and kind of went into myself a little bit. I remember having written my birth plan, which was reasonably extensive, probably nearly <laughs> two sides of A4 in bullet points. Okay. And it was your classic at the time hypnobirthing birth plan of don't talk to me direct all questions to my birth partner like this is what I'm doing and all the rest of it Mm. and I can remember the midwives coming in and sitting down in the chairs in the living room 
both of them reading my birth plan and looking to each other. And I was like, it's fine, you can talk to me, ignore that bit. Right. <laughs> I think I just didn't know how I was going to feel yeah. and whether I would want to be distracted. I'd seen videos of people kind of doing hypnobirthing and it was, they were very much, seemed to be in a bit of a trance and yeah. in themselves. And I wasn't sure whether that, I kind of always wanted to preempt that and say, let's start hard yes, and then we'll soften rather than, than trying to go the other way. So, so, But you weren't feeling like you couldn't talk in between contractions and stuff like that. You were no sort of using the breathing during contractions and then... Yeah, and they were, I mean, they were great. They just sat in the chairs and drank some tea and let me get on with Lovely. what I needed to do. I think I spent a large proportion of the time kneeling on the floor, leaning over the sofa, yeah, listening and kind of breathing with it all. And then, although I didn't recognise it at the time, afterwards I absolutely knew when I'd gone through transition. And I remember sitting on the floor with my husband saying, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. And he was amazing because obviously through the hypnobirthing classes, he'd been taught how to support me and how to ground me. Mm -hmm. So he was able to kneel with me and hold my hands and say, okay, take yourself back to that point that you always use. Like, I think we talked about having a, a place to visualize and mine was the beach because that's where we spent a lot of time yeah. so he was like visualize that place take that deep breath and was really able to ground me and get me back to that point I was desperate to get into the pool at this point so again agreed to a vaginal examination where I think I was about eight centimeters so mm-hmm. I was pretty far along yeah, at that point almost there so the midwives were fine so yeah that's fine jump in the pool and that was just before 10 o'clock I think it just proves the whole you don't dilate in a particular fashion or it's not a one centimeter an hour situation no, definitely not <laughs> because he was born probably 15 20 minutes later once I got in the pool I think my second stage is recorded as five minutes on my notes right it was a very very quick entrance <laughs> once you changed over to the pushing contractions yeah. that was it it was absolutely out. and I just remember getting into the pool and the relief it gave me mm. and the midwives afterwards commented on just how my whole demeanor changed right. and my body relaxed it was just like this giant hug I also remember having been really worried about what I would wear in the pool and like being discreet and all this sort of thing and then it being so hot because obviously the pool is 37 degrees you're hot in labor anyway Mm -hmm. and it was the end of may so it was reasonably warm even though it was 10 o'clock at night it was still quite warm so i just remember going i'm really really sorry but i've got to strip off and throwing (laughs) off my t-shirt my bra and everything i'm really not caring about anybody I'm like, that's fine, that's fine. (laughs) It's not like they don't see that every day. Exactly, exactly. So that was really lovely. So then it reached the point where I felt those contractions change and I got to that, this baby's coming moment, whether I like it or not. I can remember being really worried. I'd had a third degree tear with my first. I was really conscious of not wanting that to happen the second time round and I can remember being there I don't want to I don't want to tear I don't want to tear I don't want to tear and I think actually had I embraced the contractions and gone with it then actually I probably wouldn't have done Mm. I only had a second degree tear this time round so didn't need anything major afterwards but I think because I was conscious of it. I held on. Until you were tensing uh, up. Down. Ten- yeah, definitely. I think I was tensing my pelvic floor, trying not to give over to the contractions. Whereas I now know that actually if I 
breathe through them and let my body do what it needed to do actually maybe that wouldn't have happened maybe it would have done yes one of those things isn't it we definitely but you just definitely have no can't idea. stop it from happening by tensing up absolutely so yeah he flew out fairly quickly i was kind of leaning over the side of the pool but with my legs stretched out behind me kind of on my knees scooped him up out of the water he had his cord around his neck but as we know that is actually really really common and normal they did cut his cord reasonably quickly and just took him off just to give him a bit of a rub down and make Mm -hmm. sure he was okay but reassured me yep everything was fine um nothing to worry about and obviously we then just had to think about the third stage and the placenta. I had planned to have a managed third stage because that's what I'd had in my first, mm-hmm. so uh, a syntocinone injection. Didn't really think anything else of it, but actually mm-hmm. in getting up and climbing out of the pool, I sat down on the floor and the midwife was like, oh, there it is. So, so you didn't need it didn't after even all. need an injection, it just... Yeah, it just came away and I think my out. movement and kind mm-hmm. of the physical movement of getting up and out yeah. obviously did what it needed to do. So that was reasonably straightforward I didn't need to think about that Mm. at all the midwife examined me and saw that there was a second degree tear but she wasn't in any hurry to do anything and quite often they aren't obviously being in the pool your flesh swells slightly anyway yeah kind of absorbs the water so they said oh we just need you to kind of dry out (laughs) and make sure everything's back to normal before we can then do anything like that Mm -hmm. so I was able to just go and snuggle on the sofa with my new baby Mm. and he initiated feeding pretty quickly which was nice he did also poo all over me and my dressing gown which was kind of him uh we hadn't put a nappy on him so so that was nice but it was just lovely to have that but in my living room yeah like not being in a hospital it was a really different experience being in your home environment having everything that we needed nearby was lovely the midwives did everything in terms of tidying up and everything else. I mean, I think we had one spot of blood on the floor, which they cleaned up. Amazing. You hear all these stories oh, about, oh... people worry so much, don't yes. they? Yes, oh, what about the mess and all the rest of it? Maybe there would have been more mess if I hadn't had the birth pool, I don't know. But again, the midwives probably have taken it with them. Sort of Absolutely, yes. I mean, when I climbed out of the pool, we'd put a shower curtain down yeah. underneath the birth pool, but they had then laid out incontinence pads as well. Mm-hmm. So as I climbed out, I kind of climbed onto them. So that was, yeah, they just took all that away with them. And the only thing we were left with was the birth pool. And then once they'd done kind of their checks and weighed the baby and everything else, they said, oh, we'll, we'll do your stitches. At least I, I think that's the... Yeah, <laughs> the process that I can't remember what happened when really. It does get a bit, uh, but they they certainly certainly weighed him. We've got pictures of him being weighed. Yes, that definitely. Uh, happened. And they definitely and they did, did my stitches. And I always joke that the advantage of being at home was that I sat on the sofa and ate a banana, and we talked about EastEnders. Lovely. Did you have a local anaesthetic? While yes. You were doing so she it? gave me a local anaesthetic, which was probably more stingy than the yeah. like anything else. Yeah. <laughs> but that worked reasonably quickly. We did joke, or I joked, that I had some trousers upstairs that needed hemming. Right. And she said, oh, no, I can't sew. And I said, oh, don't tell me that. (laughs) But she reassured me that, no, sutures are very different, and she was very good at that. Oh, good. (laughs) She could do do perineums, she just couldn't do hems. I was like, okay, then, I'll let you off. Fair enough. (laughs) They were lovely, so they did that. They weren't in any hurry to get off to go anywhere or do anything else. So everything was really chilled and laid back, which was great. Yeah. 
they didn't eat all the snacks that I bought. Oh. I've been told to prepare lots of biscuits lots of and biscuits. all that sort of thing. You so. do hear a rumour that midwives like biscuits, don't you? Indeed. But to be fair on them, they were probably only there four or five hours. So right. you can only manage a certain amount exactly. of biscuits. So uh, we did end up with lots of snacks afterwards, which was well, fun. Well, that's nice to have <laughs> in your house anyway, isn't it? Especially in the first few weeks. Absolutely. All those mini flapjacks were great. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Then it was probably about one o'clock by the time they'd gone. Mm-hmm. We were going to just leave the birth pool and deal with it the next morning. Except we then heard some weird noises coming from it and some bubbles. Yeah, and well. <laughs> we think probably what happened was that when I was leaning over but pushing back with my feet, we obviously created, or we, I, nobody else involved, <laughs> I created some kind of hole in the inner seals. Oh, so okay. the water was escaping into the air chambers. Oh no! So it wasn't actually going all over the floor. Right, um, it wasn't ideal. But yeah, we were a bit worried that it might completely deflate overnight. We'd end up with a pool of manky water all over the floor. So my husband was like, right, I'll deal with that now. We'd borrowed a pump from my dad to try and uh, get the water the out. That, one. that wouldn't work. Oh. So bless him, there he is at one o'clock in the morning using a bucket oh. to empty the birth pool out to the drain outside. Well, bless him. But I was quite happily sitting on the sofa he's with my still, baby, so... He's still very positive about home birth, so he obviously is absolutely wasn't too traumatising for No, him. not at all. Just, I think, not what he wanted to be doing. No, in those first stages perfect. after having had a baby, when he'd have quite liked some cuddles. But then it was just so lovely to be able to go up and get in our own beds. Yeah, yeah just be at home. It was really, really nice. I remember how kind of uncomfortable hospital beds were and their pillows and how warm they were and noisy and... Just to have that peace and quiet of our home was lovely. Mm, Obviously, lovely. we'd phoned we'd phoned the parents and the in-laws to let them know that everything was fine and that baby had arrived um, and shared his name and that side of thing. And then made arrangements for the following morning because obviously I was had had all this guilt about my eldest becoming a sibling and the worry that went with that. So for me, it was really important that he was the first person to meet the baby. I didn't want lots and lots of fuss from other people whilst he was there yeah for him to feel pushed out Mm -hmm. so my husband went and picked him up the following morning and brought him home first so that he had that time before then the grandparents kind of came and did their thing and I remember him coming in we bought a Duplo fire truck for him from the baby we'd read that it's really nice build that relationship from the beginning give them a toy or a present from the baby in order to kind of firm up those bonds so he thought that was amazing he was massively into fire engines and farming salmon everything else so the duplo fire engine was the best thing in the world and he came in and i remember him looking at into the the moses basket oh i love it oh (laughs) that's sweet (laughs) and yeah so he had his fire truck and that was pretty much when everybody came to visit yeah it was like, look, I've got a new fire truck. Not, yes. look, I've got a new oh, brother. a baby, whatever. <laughs> a baby here. But, hey, a fire truck. <laughs> but we'd also prepared him by taking him out to the shops to choose a teddy bear for the baby. Yeah. So he'd got that. So he was able to go and get that with Daddy and bring it in and give it to the baby. So there was this exchange of presents Absolutely. and kind of this idea that, yes, we, we love each other. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> and he sat on the bed with us and was kind of fascinated about how I fed him and that side oh. of things. Well, for five minutes, yeah. as, as long as a two and a half year old might be. And yeah, that was kind of it. And then it was just visitors and all the rest of it. 
we didn't have to do i really can't remember now whether we went into the hospital we must have done for a gp check we did have um a maternity support worker come out i think on day three to do the blood to do tests and checks with baby but we must have gone in to do the gp checks i don't remember somebody coming home to do those for us but yeah it's in those first few oxytocin filled days that procedures kind of blurred into one. <laughs> change anyway don't they so yeah whatever happened exactly. 11 years ago absolutely <laughs> it was a long time ago now. but yeah it was just a really lovely experience and it was his birth that really changed how i viewed birth in general mm. and kind of how i talked about birth to other people that idea that it doesn't have to be like it is on the television at all like we're all very undramatic very undramatic Mm. yeah it was just a really nice experience lovely well thank you very much for telling us all about it no worries thanks for listening to this episode of our birth stories podcast if you'd like to chat about anything that came up in the podcast or you'd like to share your birth story in a future podcast episode, please get in contact with us either by email informedpbb at gmail.com or on social media where we're at informedpbb on Instagram and Facebook. Everyone's welcome to come and join our Facebook support group and our monthly online meetups. And if you're local to us in South East Hampshire, to come along to our in-person meetups too. Please feel free to get in touch if you're struggling with negative emotions about what happened when you gave birth and we'll be happy to put you in contact with people who can support you. In our groups, we also share and signpost lots of information about all sorts of pregnancy, birth and beyond topics. Check out our blog on the website informedpregnancybirthandbeyond.org for more of that. We hope you enjoyed hearing this birth story as much as we enjoyed recording it. If you did, please leave us a review and share the link with your friends. Thank you.